Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning again. Good to see everybody and happy Mother's Day to all your moms and grandmoms and everyone. Uh, I lost my mom a few years back as well, like Johanna said, and uh, it's for those of us who have lost your moms, you know, you remember yesterday I was recalling some times in my life where mom was there in such a way that nobody else could have been there in that way, and uh, and so we do give thanks to all of you who are mothers, and also I want to say this, that it, like Johanna said, it can be a tough time for those of us who have lost our moms, but also... There are mothers, though, in our midst who have lost children, who, and then there are ladies in our midst who want to be moms, and there can be all kinds of pain associated with a Mother's Day as well. And uh, so I want to say to you that when we were taking communion a while ago, I was thinking about uh, those of you who walked through that kind of time during Mother's Day and knowing that the Lord's presence is with you at this time. To be with you. He knows what it's like to suffer loss. He knows what it's like to feel like, it, you know, that there's no, even his father, can you take this away from me? But there's no way to take that away from him. And some of you know that pain, that there's no way to take that pain from you, that you've had to walk through it. And I want you to know you have a Savior, you have a Lord who does know, and he does come alongside, and he does comfort. And, and so, Lord, I pray today, uh, we celebrate, of course, motherhood, and we thank you for our moms, our grandmoms, great-grandmoms, and those spiritual moms who have been a part of our lives. And we also pray, Lord, for those who are suffering loss and memories, or maybe there's been some dashed hope and dreams, and we pray your presence, Lord, and your comfort at this moment, that you would come, Lord, that you would indeed be the Lord of all in this moment, Father, on this day, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we have got Rick and Susan Harrell with us over here. Wave your hands. Missionaries are a part. They're from Italy, part of our church. They served on staff here for a number of years, and they're going to be out in the lobby. They'd love to talk with you. Please get caught up with Rick and Susan. Let them tell you what's going on in Italy. There's a lot of exciting things happening here, and we're, they're here on, like, I guess you call it furlough. Is that what they call it now? You're just taking a break, right? And you're coming back to the States. Yeah, yeah. So uh, be sure and connect with them and, and let them catch you up on all that's going on. Well, we're in a series and we're calling it CORE. And I thought that on Mother's Day, I started to not do the series on Mother's Day. But I thought, there is nothing more CORE than a mom. There is nothing, you know, more committed many times than a mom is to her children, to her family, uh, I've had spiritual moms up and down this beach at Polly Potter. Some of you may have known her, Charlie and Polly Potter. Charlie was an architect here, and Polly was, yeah, Polly was like one of my spiritual moms. She kept speaking into my life when I was in my 20s. Even, you know, come on, Tim, you can keep walking with Jesus, keep walking with Jesus, keep walking with Jesus. And, uh, and so, you know, they have powerful have a powerful effect in our lives. And so I thought, no, I'm going to stick with it because the O in core for us and looking at authentic Christianity and what it means to be an authentic follower of Jesus and an authentic church is offer. And nobody offers themselves more so than usually a mom in giving herself. They sacrifice so much uh, for so many. And so I'm going to stick with this today, you know, and not uh, 
the church has always been known, believe it or not, I, you may not know it now, but you know, from the very beginning, the church was known as being probably, and without a doubt, not probably, the most caring group of people on the planet. Early on, Tertullian, a uh, church historian, this is in 200 AD, said, It is our care of the helpless, our practice of loving kindness that brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. Only look, they say, look how they love one another. That was our testimony early on. When the plagues hit all of the Middle East and throughout Europe and, and elsewhere, when everybody was bailing out and trying to get away from the infection, it was the church who stuck around. It was the church, the local churches, who stayed in the communities to care for the sick and offer themselves up to care for those who were dying or those who were sick. Early on, uh, families, fathers, did not want daughters. This is early on in the, you know, the first century and even after a bit. And so they would take the baby girls, and this is horrible, and they would throw them into the streets for them to die and want to have a son so they could pass on what, what culture had said was of more value than a female. Who rushed out into the streets to grab those babies? The church did. The people that belonged to Jesus Christ rushed into the streets, grabbed those babies, took them into their homes and raised them as their own. The church has been known. No matter what you hear now, <laughs> and what you, you got so much information coming at you now, good, bad, and the ugly, but if you take a look back, you will see that authentic Christianity, the authentic Christian church, has always been on the front lines of caring for people and offering themselves up for those who are weaker, for those who are disadvantaged, and those who are sick. And um, hey, if you want to read more about it, I can refer you to a bunch of books. And it's, it's a fascinating read. The first 100 years or 200 years, the church was famously known for not practicing abortion and euthanasia. They were known for caring for the infirmed, caring for the elderly. They were exact opposite of what culture was teaching that they should do. They came alongside and offered themselves. In Romans, uh, in Romans 12, 1, we're told to offer ourselves, offer our bodies up as a living sacrifice, living to offer ourselves. And today we're going to take a look at a passage of scripture over in 2 Corinthians. And uh, I won't be able to read the two chapters because I know it's tough on y'all when I read like long passages of scripture. But I love it. You know, and what I love is when we do it together. When we read scripture in community together. And I hope this is going on in small groups. Small groups that you are a part of. I hope that you read passages of scripture together. That you sit and you listen. Um, that's a, yes, a beautiful part of my history is started with some kids on the beach and surfers on the beach and we'd take the Bible and even at surfing contests and I would just start reading it and we'd all just go, wow, whoa, woo, you know, because we didn't know, we didn't know anything, but we'd just read it, especially the book of Acts. We'd look at each other and go, now? Would that happen now? Now? Whoa, wow. And so scripture, reading it together is very important. But I'm going to encourage you, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, to read those two chapters. And I'm going to kind of hit it and give you a little bit of uh, an overview to, to bring us along. 
This is obviously, this is called 2 Corinthians. That means there were how many letters at least? There were two, right? There were two. This is the second letter, maybe a year and a half after the first. Uh, you know, Paul had a situation with this church in Corinth. If you go back and you read 1 Corinthians, that book, you find out that that was an exciting church, but they had a lot of things out of order. Paul had to step into it and he had to put some things in order. And now he is following up with some of that in uh, 2 Corinthians, this letter. There was a group of people in the church in Corinth that were not that excited about Paul. <laughs> they, they were not that, uh, you know, they were a little bit critical, a little bit demeaning to him and challenging his authority and what he had to say. And some of that comes out in 2 Corinthians, as you'll see, as he challenges the church to step up to the plate. Now, in this story, there are three churches involved. Three. Here's the backdrop. Remember, we have a backdrop. Just like a theater, you've got a backdrop. You have context, what is going on. And it, it puts everything, uh, it makes sense of everything when we do this. There are three churches involved in this story. One is the Macedonian church. The Macedonian church was a very poor church. They didn't have a whole lot to give. They didn't have a whole lot. They weren't that, uh, you, you know, blessed with a lot of finances and stuff but they were amazing givers and and all they offered themselves up in an amazing way that we'll find out then there's the Jerusalem church the Jerusalem church is of course the center church it's it's in Jerusalem and made up of many Jewish people mostly whereas the church in Corinth is made up of more Gentiles and and so you have this going on but the Jerusalem church has hit a rough spot it could have been through persecution because they were persecuted. Or it could have been that there was a famine. Whatever was going on, the church in Jerusalem was really in need. They needed support. They needed help. And then the Macedonian church, who actually was in a position of probably needing help themselves, comes along and begs to be a part of giving themselves and their resources what they had to help support the Jerusalem church. Well, the church in Corinth that the letter is being written to, is a more affluent church, a little wealthier. They've got more that they can give and more that they uh, can contribute and more that they can offer to what's going on. And so Paul, in this letter, begins to charge the Corinthians. He almost, I call it holy competition. And I know some commentators don't like that. But it's almost like he dangles out the Macedonian church. And he says, look, look at this church who doesn't have much of anything. And they are begging to be a part of helping the Jerusalem church. And basically, you Corinthians, you've got more than you need. Why don't you step up to the plate and offer what you have? And he's like, do you really want to be outshined by the Macedonian church? I mean, look at that church and your church. And, and I mean, I think that fits Paul's, actually, his, his, uh, his personality is that he's, he's pulling them along in a little bit of holy competition to try to get them to rise to the occasion. And so in this, we have, we have this letter, especially these two chapters uh, you have a fill-in on the back side. Ever since I had my eye surgery, I have to use reading glasses now. But I can see you. I'm not so sure which one was the trade-off. Let's see, I couldn't see you before, but I could read the Bible without glasses. Now I can see you clearly, but I can't read the Bible without glasses. I, yeah, that's a good trade-off, as long as you've got glasses. So you have a fill-in on the back side that, uh, that we'll... We'll follow along with, and this is in the C-O-R-E, the core of an authentic church, the core of an authentic faith. 
Your first one is this, that this church, Paul tells us to offer, and he says this to the Corinthians, to offer themselves. And that is, offer yourselves. In 2 Corinthians 8, 5, it says about the Macedonians, it says, they exceeded our expectations. They exceeded, they offered themselves, they gave themselves. And you know, that's where it all starts, folks. It begins there with each of us individually giving ourselves who we are as a person, who we are in our community, who we are in our churches. It's giving ourselves. And the first that we give to, and this is your second fill-in, is that we give ourselves to the Lord. That is step one in offering ourselves. At the core of every authentic Christian church. At the core of every Christian believer. Every authentic Christian believer and Jesus follower. Is this moment and the moments that follow of us offering ourselves to him. Again and again. And Paul says in this letter that the Macedonian church offered themselves to the Lord. That's where it begins. Because if we don't start with that, any type of discussion about offering anything else we have suddenly gets really tense. But if we begin with the moment that we know that we have given who we are to Christ, we have surrendered to his call, then that opens up all kind of possibilities in our lives and in our churches and, and uh, in our families and, and to help others. And so it begins with that. It begins with giving ourselves to the Lord. But Paul doesn't stop there. It has to begin there. And if you haven't, if you haven't started there, if you haven't given yourself holy and surrendered to the Lord, then that's your first step. Your first step is to say yes to Christ. To say, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. I give myself to you. You know if he's calling you. I believe that. I settled this probably two decades ago. I finally became cognizant of the fact that the Holy Spirit loves people a lot more than I do. Yeah, I mean, I, and I love people. I do. Well, some. And... <laughs> But I know that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit really loves people. Jesus loves people. And he came and he gave his own life and he sacrificed himself for each individual person. And he loves them enough that he goes and he calls and woos them. And what I found in these years is that what I find out is I begin to recognize that. I can talk to people and suddenly I begin to hear in their voices and in the way they're talking that God's been wooing them. And they may not even know exactly what that is that's going on. But as you listen to them talk, you realize God's great love and the power of the Holy Spirit is suddenly pulling them toward himself. And, and now God has kind of allowed us to be able to be a part of the story. And so we're able to sit down with them and explain. You know, they're, they're, they may be like, what's happening to me? You know, and you can say, here's what's happening. is God's love is suddenly coming into your life. And you're beginning to realize your need for Christ. And your need for a relationship with your creator. And you're able to help people process that and pray with them. And that's them giving themselves to the Lord. And Paul says the church in Macedonia started that way. It started... With the group of people having surrendered to Christ. And giving who they are to the Lord. That's where it all begins. If we don't start there. Then suddenly we have an organization without a heart. 
We have a group of people which might be organized and it might have power structures and it might have this going on and that going on, but it doesn't have the heart of God in the middle of it. It begins with a relationship with God and surrendering to the Lord, giving ourselves to the Lord. So everything else that follows is a response to his lordship, his kingship in our lives. But Paul doesn't start there. Stop there. He says also, and then by the will of God, in other words, this was the Lord's choice, also to us. In other words, the church was given not only to the Lord, they gave themselves to the Lord, but this group of people, after that was established, they gave themselves to the work of what Paul and the leaders in the church were doing. They gave themselves to that. Like, we're going to support that effort. We're going to get involved. And that was by the will of God. It has to be by the will of God. The Lord speaks and says, I want you to get involved with this. And so they heard that and they became, became involved with Paul in the planting of churches and seeing the gospel go out and seeing that the poor churches were taken care of. And so, you know, it wasn't, it has to start with the Lord. Then it moves to the context of a local church, a local gathering. And 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says... And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves to the Lord. And then by the will of God also to us. And then they voluntarily said, I want to be a part of what you're doing, Paul. What's going on? And, uh, you know, it's popular now to, to say, oh, well, I've given myself to the Lord. But, uh, you know, I'm just not going to give myself to the church. We'll have a talk with Paul. That's all I got to say about that. Have a, because nothing gets done much anyway if we don't come together as the body of Christ and decide to do something about the things that we see around us. And so this is very much a part of the core of authentic Christianity is local churches doing things together. Helping their communities, helping other churches, helping the need that they see. You know, how original hospitals around this world how did they get started churches where did our universities come from originally you know where did they tell you that in university now did they tell you that it all began with churches wanting to see people educated that it started there i mean authentic christianity begins with that and that's that's a part of our calling and so it's to the lord and then it's also to the church and so it's not just stopping there, that, that verse, and going, well, I've, you know, we've given ourselves to the Lord. And then it says, and then by the will of God to us or to Paul and to the churches there. No, we don't stop. We go to the and then. And the and then to be core, at the core of it is, and then we do this together. And then we become a part of some expression that can get more done together. And you know, the Corinthian church was struggling with Paul, like some of us do. Some of us struggle with church leadership, and, we, and some of them in Corinth was struggling with him. And so this letter is kind of written in a way to try to deal with that and kind of bring some peace to it. And so, you know, so to give to the Lord, give to the church, and then look what your number uh, two you're filling is. Notice that he said they excelled in the grace of giving. Not just giving, but in the grace of giving. Like, oh, the church ever wants us give, you know, give, give, want money, money, money. No, no, it's excelling in the grace of giving. That's a little different, isn't it? You know what grace is? 
What is grace? It's, it's like a freedom that you have that God gives you. That he gives to you so that you can live life in a different way. And he gives the grace of giving so that you excel in this grace of giving. This complete act of grace, one says. And, uh, you know, they excelled at it. They weren't, they didn't just get by. The church in Macedonia was an example of what it means to excel in the grace of offering themselves and offering what they had for the benefit of others. Now, Paul knew that in Corinth, like in a lot of churches, there were people who didn't trust him, trust the leadership and all. So what does he do? If you read through this, he takes his most trusted right-hand man, Titus, and he takes two more brothers, and he goes, I am going to send them to collect the offering for the Jerusalem church. In other words, Paul is going, I will not touch the money. I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to give it, these guys are going to come to the church there in Corinth and they will collect the money so that you will see I don't have, you know, I'm not manipulating the funds. I'm not in control of the offering. I'm not, we're going to let them take it, collect it, and let them dispose of it. Now he says, I could do it. There would be nothing wrong with me doing it. But because basically some of you there in the church are doubting my veracity, and you don't trust me, I'm going to put these guys up there and let them deal with it. And it's very similar in most churches, like this church, like senior pastor, I don't touch the money. You know, the board decides where it goes and that kind of thing. And so this was similar, that Paul stepped back and goes, Titus and these two brothers, trustworthy brothers, they will decide where the money goes. And so he's doing the best he can. You know, and this... Excelling at the grace of giving. Have you ever been the recipient of a gift from someone or some group that you knew could better use it than you? That's a very humbling situation. I, you know, I've had that happen in my life a few, quite a few times. And one, I, Doug's over here, but Jack Frost, Doug's uh, father-in-law, Jack and Tricia, Jack invited me to come. He was in the Salvation Army at the time. And Jack said, Tim, I want you to come and teach on worship at the Salvation Army. And so I said, how many times, Jack, what do you want? Jack says this. You just do your thing, man. Just do your thing. If you would just come, I think it was like three Thursday nights or something like this. So I, I put a little syllabus together and curriculum together. And, and I showed up at the Salvation Army group. That's a very small group. And, you know, I shared and it was beautiful. We worshiped together and and on the last night, Jack walks up to me and puts an envelope in my hand. And I went, what's this? He goes, it's an offering from the church. You know, and I'm looking at the church going, they need the money. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, this, you know, and I, the Lord taught me a lesson right at that moment because I gave it back to him and I was like, because I was trying to be humble which God exposed my pride even in that moment there. And, and I was like, and he says, you will take this offering. <laughs> he said, they have been saving money for six months. They've been putting money aside for you so that when you came, they would have something to give you. Now, it wasn't a large sum of money at all, but yet... It would. It excelled in grace. 
beyond the number, right? Because of what they had to give and how they gave it. It excelled in grace. Another time, I'm in Thailand. And preaching in Thailand is very interesting. Um, Don't ever go to the Old Testament. Because their Bible is like that thick in the Old Testament. And they warned me, but I did it anyway, forgot. And then the guy takes 30 minutes trying to find the passage, you know. But but I'm preaching along, and, and afterward, we get invited to this hut for lunch. And I go in, and I put some kind of food in front of us. And, and I look over at the guy that invited me, and he says, eat it. Well, I was like, why? Because it's the only chicken in the village. And they have been animal lovers, sorry about this, and vegans, but uh, they have been fattening this chicken up since I knew you were coming. Uh, he, he was a sacrifice, you know. And so, uh, and so it's for you. It's for you. I mean, it excelled. That was an excelling of grace on their part because it was, what did they give? They gave 100% of what they had because of where their hearts were. And Paul is telling this church, he's, he's telling the Corinthian church that the Macedonian church, this is, they excel in the grace of giving. Not the amount of it, but in the grace that they operate in in giving what they gave. Because it wasn't about the number, but how much of their heart did they give with it. And so they gave way beyond what would have been expected of them. Scripture, as you read this story, says they even gave out of their poverty. Gave out of their poverty, just like that church did to me and just like that village did to me that day. They gave out of their need, out of what they needed for themselves, they gave it. They excelled. And that is a grace act. That is not a a fiduciary act. It's not a, you know, a balance sheet act. That is an act of grace on their part. A beautiful act of God that moves people beyond the numbers and into a part of their heart where they go, we're going to do this. This is what God has for us to do. So they excelled. They offered because of the grace that was in their lives. And then Paul gives them two examples as we follow along here. And your first example is the A under this. He mentions the grace of Christ. The grace of Christ. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, they gave. Here's your first example on that excelling in grace. And the grace of giving is the grace of Christ. And that is that while he was rich when he sat at the right hand of the Father. Yet for your sake, what did he do? He became poor. He existed forever sitting at the right hand of the Father. Son of God right there forever. And what did he do? He We mentioned this last week. He took on flesh. Right? Incarnation. Him taking on flesh. Incarnation was God himself becoming poor for our sake. Because now he feels pain. Now he feels loneliness. Now he knows what it's like to be betrayed. What it's like to be hungry. What it's like to be tired. What it's like to go to the cross and suffer pain and agony. He knows all of that. So the first example that we have in offering ourselves and offering what we have is that Christ offered himself up. Became poor by coming to earth. And Paul tells the church in Corinth, here's your example. Do you want an example of excelling at grace? Jesus is the first one. He's the first example. 
And it was joyful giving. Even, even about Jesus, you know, in Hebrews 12 too, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Right? There was joy on the other side of it. What was the joy? Well, it was obedience to his father, but it was also you and me. It was what he saw on the other side of it. There's a joyful part that he's going to have brothers and sisters, as it says in the scripture. And because of that joy, it carried him through the cross. There was a joy in that giving. And so the grace of Christ is the first example of, that he gives the Corinthian church. And then he mentions this in 2 Corinthians 8.10. Last year you were the first not only to give but also to have the desire to do so. The desire. You see having a desire to do something is, is like I guess you would call it the reactor of grace. When God moves on you and wants to do something in you many times this passion and the desire begins to well up inside of you. And this church had that passion. And that's a sign of God's grace. Now, I believe in obedient offering as much as I do the passionate part. But I'll tell you what, when God grips your heart with something, when God excels in applying his grace to your life in such a way that suddenly you can't shake it, what you should do, how you should come alongside someone or something or in your church or whatever, when you can't shake it, then you know that you've got to respond to it because there's a desire and Paul says, I had a desire in it. And so you respond to it. Amen. It's a hard thing to live life without a desire. Because suddenly it becomes just cold obedience. Now, don't get me wrong. We all go through times like that. Where all we can do is put one foot in front of the other. In our faith, in our lives, and in every way. But you know what keeps us moving down the road? Desire. What gets us in trouble? What keeps us out of trouble? Desire. The right desires for the right things at the right time and responding to them. Amen. And what Paul says is this church had the desire to come alongside the Jerusalem church and wanted to. They were begging Paul. Get this. It's like the Salvation Army begging Jack. Going, please let us give to Tim. Please, please, please. They had the desire to do it. Let us do it. Let us give an offering. Please, let us do it. Can you imagine a church like that? Tim, please let us give. <laughs> I told this church probably 15 years ago, the one revival I've never seen is a revival of giving. You know, you've seen like the Holy Spirit poured out and people get saved, healed, and the gifts of the Spirit come and all kind of things. But I've never seen like such a revival of giving that the pastor has to get up and go, don't give anymore. Stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. It's like, no, we got the grace. We got the desire. You know, we're going. We're going. We're going. We're going to do this. The grace of desire. And so, let's, let's bring this to a close with what I did last week. Like the guy told uh, my pastor years ago when he was preaching, so what? You know, that's what he said. And uh, said to Bishop uh, Houston Miles when he was preaching, so what? And uh, here's the so what. Paul gives it to us right here in 2 Corinthians 9.10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and enlarge what? The harvest of your righteousness. Here's so what. There will be a harvest of righteousness in your life that increases. Now, what do you mean by righteousness? That means like 
right living. It means that more people, that there's going to be a harvest as you excel in the, in the grace of giving and offering yourselves and what you have. Then others will see and go and it will be a harvest. All of a sudden there are others who want to be able to get in on it. And it increases your influence for God in others. And suddenly there is a harvest of right living. A harvest of right giving. A harvest of right desire. It all comes righteousness to continue. Uh, will result in a windfall of righteousness. Joy. You know it's contagious. Something like this is contagious. So it results in righteousness. And it also the next one results in thanksgiving. Look at 2 Corinthians 9. 11 through 13. You will be enriched in every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. I forgot how many times I counted the word generous. And generosity in these two chapters. It was. You can actually exchange the word grace. Charis. You can. Sometimes they're interchangeable in generosity and grace. They're almost the same word. Because if you see grace. You see generosity. You know. You cannot see grace without there being generosity present. And. uh, And so we'll result Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. People begin to thank God for your faithfulness, for your excelling in grace. I mean, I'll put you on the spot, Rick and Susan. Are you grateful for the giving of this church? See, thanksgiving right there. There you go. Because of your giving... Because we give, the church gives to support them in Italy. They are praising God and giving thanks. Do you see that? And the more you do that, um, Doug Dorman and his team, Lauren and Ryan, they just got back from a 10-day missions trip praising God. Doug is one of our missionaries that we support here, a member of our church. Linus Morris and Phil Graff just got back from Nepal. If you follow my Pastor Tim page, you know they threw five pastors in jail there right before uh, for preaching the gospel right before they got to Nepal. But the pastors got out in time for, for Linus and Phil to be able to do the training and all. And they left yesterday to come back. And so I've been hearing from Linus through the whole process. He's praising God for your prayers. Praising God for your financial support. Do you see this? It erupts in thanksgiving. As the church comes along and gives. And excels in the grace of giving. Uh, Paul says, hey, church in Corinth, don't you want this to happen to you? He's telling the Corinthian church, look what's happening to the Macedonian church. People are thanking God for them. Don't you want people to thank God for you? I mean, the Macedonian church is this church that gives out of their poverty. And look, they gave way beyond what was expected of them. And here you are, you're wealthy and you can do something. And don't you want people to respond to you the way they're responding to this seemingly insignificant group of people over in Macedonia? Don't you want that? A little competition he's throwing out there, I feel like. Years ago uh, in the vineyard, this has probably been 20 years ago now, a, two vineyard churches decided they would get into some competition on giving money away. And so uh, it started out kind of small, maybe ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. They took up an offering. Another vineyard church found out about it and said, we can beat you. And so they took up a special offer and theirs went thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. And so the other one church said, oh yeah, wait till next year. And so the next year, that vineyard church raised fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. And he said, oh really? Wait till next year. And the next one raised eighty dollars to $100,000. <laughs> 
Then one of them said, okay, we're going to create a second place trophy. Whoever comes in second in giving is going to get this. So they traded back and forth this second place trophy every year. Whoever, I mean, the money got into the hundreds of thousands of dollars before this thing ended that they were giving away to people. And you did not want to get the second place trophy. So you were, they were always up in the amount that they gave away. And so there was this holy, kind of like what Paul is saying here, this holy competition and uh, it was just fun. And you know they, what they would do? They'd take the offering up, walk into the church that they gave it to. They'd take maybe the whole church would show up on a Wednesday night. I remember one story, African-American church. Their building, they're about to lose their building. So they took up enough money to pay their mortgage off. And then the whole church showed up at a midweek service at that church. As they're worshiping, the church walks in, sits down. And they're like, wow, our church tripled in size. Here it is. And they're worshiping and the pastor welcomes the other pastor from... The pastor from the Vineyard Church, he walks up, puts a check in the guy's hand in the midweek service, pay your building off. And much praises to God. And much praises. Reaping righteousness. And much praises. People begin to give thanks because of the giving and the offering of who they are. And it results in provision. That's your next one, provision. Of course, it meets needs. It meets needs. I mean, the question I had was, you know, when Myrtle Beach, other people we touch miss us if we cease to exist. Would Myrtle Beach miss us if the vineyard in Myrtle Beach no longer existed? Would Italy, would Nepal, would, would our church plants up in North Carolina, and you know, would, they, would they miss us if we were here? Yes, they would because of your giving. And it results in prayers. That's your another D part. Results in prayers. And like I said, it's not about equal giving. It wasn't about, hey, every person, every church has to give the exact amount. It was about equal generosity. Do you see that? It was about the level of generosity in the heart, not the amount of money. It was about how deep did the generosity go? In those churches. And. Uh, I have an example. For you. And then we're going to pray. I'll give you two examples. You know in this church. There are some of you that. Cannot give that much. But you give what you can. We have a very very faithful giving church. I've. You know I told this church years ago. If we ever needed anything additional. I'd get up here and tell you. I need. X amount of dollars. Every time I've done that, you've done it. You've given it. We've never not had a response like that, ever. And so we've, we've got members from the broad spectrum of people who can give a lot and people who give a lot in comparison to what they have. And they're both holy because of the depth of generosity. Doesn't matter about the amount. It matters about excelling in grace and excelling in generosity with what you have. It's not, you can't give what you don't have. You can only give what you have and give generously. And that's excelling in grace. We have, we have a member who cannot, has not been able to come to church for probably 15 years. 15 years in this church. Wonderful person. Does not have much at all. But you know what comes every week? It's in the single digits. But an offering every single week. Every single week. 15 years. 
every single week. And every month, I get this email. How can I pray for you, Tim? How can I pray for the church? How many people are coming to know Jesus? Tell me about this. Tell me about that. How can I pray for Karen? How can I pray for your kids? Is he excelling in the grace of giving? And then, you know, we have people in our church who can give six figures. And some have. From one, one, you know, what some people would say, like the Salvation Army, to because of the generosity, that is just as generous as the one who gives that much. What we would consider to be like astronomical. But the grace is the same. It's excelling in the grace of giving that Paul is after. And it's what makes a difference in our walk, our churches, and our communities. Lord, would you today... Would you expand our understanding, Lord, of grace when it comes to offering ourselves and offering what we have, Lord? And yes, Holy Spirit, would you check us and, and, and see if we are a generous people? Because we want to be a generous people. A generous people. The Holy Spirit, would you come? The church in Macedonia exploded with joy once they found out that Paul would receive their offering. It was of great joy to them to be able to contribute to what God was doing on the earth. That is the grace and excelling in the grace. It's being generous and it's being generous in a joyful way. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. I thank you for the joy that I've experienced from our church and the generosity of members and those who love you first and gave themselves first to you and then gave themselves to the work here and I pray your blessings today that, Lord, indeed, they would realize that there is a bountiful harvest of righteousness and thanksgiving and prayer, Lord, going out because of that. Come, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.